You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Um, so let's jump in. Luke chapter 19, verse, starting in verse 1, says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Everybody say passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, some of you, if you grew up in church, uh, maybe you did Sunday school, you did flannel graph Jesus where you, you know, had Zacchaeus. And maybe you even sang the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. Come on, we got some spiritual folks in the church today. That's loving. Some of you are like, what is this a cult? That's so weird. What are y'all singing? Don't worry, Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse seven, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now. So first service, I can't, every time I read this, I, I just go Luther Vandross for some reason, here and now. I just think like every single time, I can't get past it. Uh, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And then verse 10, this is our kind of our key text and really the text for our series. It says, for the son of man, this is Jesus speaking, came to seek and to save the lost. You know, what's interesting about verse 10 is this is one out of uh, two times that Jesus uses this phrase, son of man. He uses it here in Luke 19, in the gospel of Luke, Luke 19, and then over in Luke chapter 7, he uses it as well. And son of man, is a, it's a prophetic title. It's, it's Jesus announcing that, hey, I, I am the Messiah, the guy that the prophets wrote about that's coming. I am that guy. I am God incarnate. I am the Messiah. And Jesus is announcing his mission on the earth. So I want to preach to you today from this thought made for this. So if you're taking notes, you write that down as your title, made for this. And if you're an overachiever and you want a subtitle, uh, because I couldn't decide between the two, you can, you can put this, mission critical, mission critical. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. Let's pray that you would speak to us today. God, let us walk out changed. Let us walk out different than we walked in. We're expectant, we're leaning in to what you have for us. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Dustin. 
Um, I love this phrase, made, made for this, because it insinuates that um, there's a purpose to wit, for which you and I are here on this earth. There's a purpose for us. We're not just aimlessly, randomly wandering through life or wandering through earth. No, there is a purpose that God has put on the inside of us, a purpose that God has given us. There's a mission, and we're made for this. Everybody say, made for this. So I'm preaching to you today with the intention to call you up and to call you on mission. I'm looking for some people today in Citizens Church at the 11 o'clock service who are going to say, you know what, I'm here on purpose, for a purpose, I was made for this. I'm looking for some people at this time, at this moment in history of our church who, who will say, you know what, I believe God's on the move, I believe that there's something stirring here, I believe that there's something special here, and I was made for this. I think God's just looking for some people who will say, I, God, I'm here for it. I, I'm here for it. I, like, I, I was made for this. Whatever, you, whatever mission you've got, whatever plan you've got, I, I'm ready. I'm here for it. I love this passage in Luke 19 because it so beautifully describes the love of God and the intention of God. And the Bible says in, in verse 1 that the Bible says that Jesus was passing through Jericho. Now, he was on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, this is the last time he's going to make this trip to Jerusalem because he's, the next passage is actually us uh, finding out that Jesus is the triumphal entry of Jesus, which we're going to celebrate next week on Palm Sunday, by the way. So, so this, is, this is right before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where he's going to be arrested. It's where he's going to be crucified. It's going to be where the, the culmination of his life leads to Jerusalem. You could say that Jerusalem was why he was here. He came to earth to go to the cross. Like, that's the purpose. That's his mission. That, that's the point of his life. And Jericho was just a place along the way. It was just a place on the way. How, how many of you know that we're really good at focusing on there? That sometimes we miss over, we skip over and miss the opportunities right here. Like we are really so, our, our culture is so ingrained. It's like we got to get there, we got to get to work, got to get to job, we got to get home, we got to get there. We're so destination focused that sometimes we miss maybe even what God is wanting us to see right here. We're focused on there, but God's got us here. And I notice that Jesus is not even, even though he's, he's heading there, even though he's going to the cross, he's going to Jerusalem, he's always present here. He's always here. Even while he's heading to the cross, he's still finding opportunities and he's finding purpose and ministry and meaning and moments to make a difference right here. Everywhere he goes, he finds that opportunity. And this is true for us today, too. We are heading somewhere. We are just passing through. How I many of you know that this life is but a vapor, Scripture says, that we are, we are uh, strangers, we're pilgrims, we're just walking through, we're just passing through this world, passing through this life, and we're heading to a destination. We're heading to, hopefully you're heading to heaven, but we're all heading eternity Onward and onward focused, and, and we are passing through, 
And this is temporary, and we've got to live with an eternal perspective. I believe that. I'm living for a place called heaven. Come on, anybody, anybody else with me? How I many of you know that this, this is temporary? We're passing through. I mean, you know, you can't take this, what you accumulate and what you achieve and what you accomplish and the titles and the status, you can't take it with you. It's not going. You know, the, the age-old saying, the old adage, uh, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Come on, somebody. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a good, that's an old preacher saying, John. That's, that's just a good preacher quote. It, you can't take it with you. It's not good. We're, we're passing through. I don't know how long you're going to be here. I, I don't know how long you're going to be right here in Redlands or the Inland Empire. I don't know how long you're going to be at Citizens. I don't know how long you're going to be at that job. I don't know how long you're going to be at that school. But you're here right now. And I would submit to you today that God is calling us to take on the mission of here, to take on the mission of right now. I've got a purpose for you now. Yeah, you're going somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. You're going to end up there. But right here, don't miss the opportunity for here and now. Believe there's opportunities for us. This is what it means to be on a search party. That's the whole point of this series. It, it means that you're looking for purpose in every place of your life. You're looking, I'm going to say it again. You're looking for purpose in every place of your life. So I'm looking for purpose in my job. I'm looking for purpose in my house. I'm looking for purpose at my school. I'm looking for opportunities that I can make a difference. We're on a search party. And we see that Jesus, even though he's, he's passing through Jericho, it's not his ultimate destination. It's not his ultimate purpose. It's along the way. But it says that a crowd started to gather around Jesus. There's a crowd surrounding Jesus. And it says there's a man there named Zacchaeus. Okay, so now here's what you got to understand. Um, the Bible tells us a couple of things about Zacchaeus. Number one is that he is a chief tax collector. It's the first thing he tells us that the Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. Now it's important for us to stop right here because in our day in 2023 there's not really a great um, substitution or a great way to explain or give you an analogy or uh, give you something similar to what that meant to this crowd at that time. Like the chief tax collector, this is not somebody who works for the IRS, okay? This, this tax collector, tax collectors were despised by all people, like everybody. They, they were the, the, the bottom rung on the moral ladder. Like they were scum of the earth type of people. They were looked down upon. They were banned from synagogue worship. They were, like people did not want them around. They hated tax collectors. Everybody thought they were bad. You have to understand the historical context here of this because Rome, who was um, the dominating power at the time, was occupying the Jewish people at this, at this time um, of the Bible. And Rome, who was known for going into cities and towns and villages and nations and just just taking over by brute force and 
um, brutality. I was reading and studying for this message. I was reading about the brutality of Rome and how it just became ingrained in the culture of, of people. Like you were raised just thinking brutality. It was in all of their art. It was in all, it was in statues. It was everywhere. They, when they told stories, there were stories of battle and like just brutal, a brutal nation. They would come in. Listen, Rome was so bad. They would come in and take over a city and they would decapitate people and put their heads on spears and line the streets with them, just letting everybody know you don't mess with Rome. This is Rome who's occupying the, the area of the time. And Zacchaeus is a man who chooses, he's a Jewish man, who chooses to work for Rome by collecting taxes imposed by Rome on his own people. So you can see how people would not be a fan of this guy, Zacchaeus. But he goes even beyond that. So how that would work is Rome would come into a district, and an area, a region, and they would offer up to the highest bidder the opportunity to collect taxes. And so obviously Zacchaeus won that bid. He, he became the chief tax collector for the, reason, for the region. So he's not even just a tax collector. He oversees all the other tax collectors in the region. And, and nobody knew the Roman tax structure. Like nobody understood it, and I know it's tax season right now, and maybe this is a touchy subject for some of you. We're talking about taxes in church. I don't know, but let me just let me just tell you: as much as we pay in taxes, um, does not come close. No, does not pale in comparison to how the people uh, under Roman oppression were taxed. They were taxed an exorbitant amount. Is ridiculous what they were taxed. In fact, there was multiple taxes that could be given, and the the Jewish, I'm, I'm sorry, the Roman government would just tell the tax collector, nobody knew the structure, they would just tell them, hey, we need you to raise this amount of money from this region. Whatever you get above that, you can pocket. So you can see how this would lend itself to some uh, scandal, this could lend itself to abuse, like this guy has got an opportunity to really, really turn the knife uh, in the back of his own people. And some of the structure would go like this. There was, um, there was a tax. Honestly, there was a tax just for breathing Roman air. If you were alive and you were sucking wind, then you had to pay this, this tax. In fact, if you, were, um, age, if you were a male age 14 to 65 or a female age 12 to 65, you had to pay this tax. If you're alive, you got to pay the tax. Then on top of that, there was an income tax, a flat 10% income tax on top of the the breathing Roman air tax, right? So there's an income tax. Then there was an import tax. If you, on this is all on top of each other. If you received goods, if you imported goods, you were taxed on those goods. There were road taxes. If you used the roads, you had to pay taxes for the roads. There were harbor taxes. If you had a boat or you had to, or you had to utilize a boat and you had to park it in the harbor, bring it into the harbor. You had to pay taxes for that. There was a fish tax. If you were a fisherman, you not only were taxed per net, but you were taxed per fish. For every fish that came in, you were taxed. There was a ground tax. There was a ground tax. One-tenth of all the grain and one-fifth of all the wine that came out of the ground went to the Roman government. There was a cart tax. If you pushed a cart down the street and sold goods out of it, you were taxed for every wheel on your cart. So if you had a four-wheel cart, like, that's just bad business. Go get a wheelbarrow because it's going to save you a whole bunch of time. Like, they were taxed to the nth 
degree. And this man, Zacchaeus, now you're starting to see like who this guy really is. And he's over the collection of all of these taxes from all of these re- of, of this entire region. Guys, this is organized crime. Right, this he's the first Don Corleone, like he's the first mafia boss. Like this is this is crazy. And so now you're not just seeing somebody, oh, they just work for the government. No, now you're seeing somebody who's really hard to love. You're seeing somebody now who's like, I, I can't imagine this, I can't imagine anybody wanting to have anything to do with them. And we find Zacchaeus in this place. And I don't, know if, I don't know if maybe I'm conveying it well enough to you. I don't know if I can convey it right. But I think probably there's some people in our mind, maybe a type of person or maybe a specific person who you struggle to empathize with. Right? Like there's somebody we could probably think of right now that's like, yeah, I just feel like society would be a little bit better if they were not there. Like just we, we all have this, this type of person or this person in our mind of like, I just really struggle to empathize and love this person. And this is Zacchaeus. This is, this is Zacchaeus. But the Bible says that the chief tax collector wants to see who Jesus is. This guy wants to see who Jesus is. Can I just preach to you for just a second that no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what your story is or your background is, no matter how much you've sinned or how much you have failed, there is nothing that can stop you from pursuing God. There's nothing that disqualifies you from pursuing God. There's nothing here today. And this church is a place that you can come. You are welcome here. No matter what your story is, no matter what your background is, you may say, no, I'm a bad person person or I'm not that great. Like no matter what it is, you are welcome here and you can pursue Jesus today. And Zacchaeus, he just wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. He wants to see who Jesus is. But the scripture tells us that there's a crowd that's surrounding Jesus and it's too big and it's too large and he can't see around them. I think this is a challenge for us as God's people I think this is a challenge for us as a church. Oftentimes, there is a lost and broken and hurting, dying world who's trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, but we are so focused on being huddled around him, trying to see what we can get from him, that we tend to forget about the lost and the hurting that's, that's looking over, trying to get a glimpse of him. I think, I think nobody would have ever thought that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Nobody would have ever thought that Zacchaeus had a hole in his heart that only God could fill and that he's been wondering, like, is this the guy? Like, could this be? Is this my moment? Like, no, you would never think that he was trying to get to Jesus. And I think we can do this sometimes in the church where we get so caught up in, God, what do you have for me? And what can I get today? and how are you blessing me and what are you doing for me that we forget there's a broken world that's looking for Jesus and because we're crowded around him, can I just tell you like this, sometimes I know it's cliche and you've probably heard it a thousand times but it's true that you may be the only Jesus some people ever see. You may be the only Jesus anyone ever gets to see so it matters how we live. 
It matters how we live. We could be thinking through this lens of search party, like, all right, we got to go. Let's go reach a whole bunch of people, and, I, and we need to do that. We need to go reach the lost and look for the lost. But I want to talk to you today for just a moment about how uh, people are already looking at you. People are already in your sphere of influence, at your job, at your school. They're around you. They're, they're looking at you, and many times they see you before they ever hear the message that we're trying to preach. And so you've got to ask yourself, how am I living? How am I living? How do I show people Jesus? Will you show people Jesus with your life? You know, sometimes in church life, we're, we're guilty of taking this beautiful thing of the gospel, this beautiful thing of what God has done in our life, like, like you saved me, the, this good news, this, the gospel of Jesus, and we take this beautiful, valuable thing and we put it in a brown paper sack, and we try to give it to somebody, and we wonder why people don't receive it. We wonder why our sister hasn't come to know Christ yet. We wonder why our, our friend at work isn't coming to church yet. And, and can I just say that maybe they're not rejecting Jesus. Maybe they're rejecting you. Maybe they're not, I, I just believe that there's a whole bunch of people that would never say no to Jesus, but they're saying no to your presentation of Jesus. There's a lot of people who are hurting and broken and lost and, and need God in their life, but all they see is you, and I wonder if we're showing them Jesus. I wonder, does our life look like a life that, has Jesus, the life that has been uh, met with hope and uh, met with purpose. I wonder what we're presenting to the world around us. Your life is a message. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And that's bold. Like Paul's just like, y'all just get behind me, follow me, I'm going somewhere. I wonder if you could be like that. I have to ask myself that same question. There's the people around me, how I'm living, the words that are coming out of my mouth, the things that I'm saying, the things people have watched me do. Does it look like how I lead my family? Does it look like Christ? Does it look like somebody, something that I could say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ? How are your, how's your life? You got to ask yourself, does my life make others want to do what I'm doing? Does my life make other people want to follow Jesus? It's funny, I grew up in church where um, we, had, we had testimony services where you have somebody come up and testify. Anybody else uh, grow up like that? Yeah, yeah, we have, have people come up. And, and I remember as a kid, we'd, we'd never fail. We always have these people that would come up and their life before they met Jesus sounded a lot better than their life now. <laughs> like, like, like we'd have these people that's like, man, I was dealing drugs and I had all the money in the world and all the women and I had fast cars and a big house and now, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, but I need money, and I need friends, and I, <laughs> it's like, I remember as a kid, I was going to be like, I think I should deal drugs, because like, it just sounds like a better scenario, it sounds like a better result than following Jesus. I just, I just wonder, does our life, since we've met Jesus, does it, does it speak to other people and say, hey, this is something worth having, this is something worth living, this is something worth giving your life to? You got to live your life like it matters. Live it on purpose. 
And I want to encourage you, like I want to help you. I believe God wants to bless you and gift you for the spiritual side of things. And like I love when you come in church and we worship together and all of that. But I also think God wants to help you with the practical side of things. Like the, the Monday through Saturday kind of life. The, the how you approach work. Like do you show up on time? Like do you give your best at the office? Like do you lead your family well? Do you, do you give your best at home or do you give your best at work and your family gets the rest of you? Like, how do you live your life? Because that is how people are viewing Jesus. They're viewing Jesus through the lens of your life, the people that you're trying to reach, the people that we're talking about. Go be a search party. Go reach people. Let's, let's seek and save the lost. But how are we living? Are the words that are coming out of our mouth, are they encouraging are they gossip? Are we bringing others up or are we bringing them down? Like think about your life. If you really want to mess up your, your life, mess up your influence, mess up the opportunity God has given you, get really good at church and bad at life. Say it like this in first service for all the parents in the room. If you want to mess up your kids, be great at church and stink at home. Be excellent when you come here, and then check out when you get at home. Does your life look like something that people would want to be a part of? Look like something that people would want to join? I love Daniel. I think about Daniel in this. In, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, it says this. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel, Daniel was gifted. Daniel was gifted by God. He had words of wisdom. Like God, God would use Daniel to interpret dreams, not even interpret dreams. One time the king said, um, I've had this dream. I need, everybody, I need somebody to interpret it for me. And his people were like came up to him and was like, well, we could just tell us what the dream was and we'll interpret it. And he's like, no, 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 you got it. Somebody's got to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it for me. Like he took it up a notch and Daniel, like Daniel hears from God. God deposits the dream in, into Daniel and Daniel shares what the dream was and then interprets it. So Daniel was gifted, but notice what gave Daniel the opportunities that Daniel had. Notice the, the what gave Daniel the authority that that Daniel had. It wasn't his gifting, it was the platform of his life. The Bible says that he distinguished himself. He said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be excellent. Like, I'm gonna distinguish myself. There, I'm not just gonna uh, be less than, no, I'm gonna work to make myself like above the rest. Like, I'm gonna rise up above the rest. I distinguish myself. And I think we need to do that as Christians. We gotta think about how we're living our life. I think we forget that people are looking at us before they ever hear the message that we bring. And you got to be careful about being good on the spiritual and being good at church and being bad at life. You know, Scripture says that Zacchaeus, he wants to see Jesus, but he couldn't see, so he ran ahead and found a tree. Now, again, you have to understand the context here. Uh, men did, in this time period, did not run, especially any type of government official. You just didn't run. In order to run, you would have to pull up your tunic, 
and expose your legs in order to run. And, and at this time, it may not sound like a big deal today, but at this time, it was very disgraceful and distasteful for a man to expose his legs. And, and I think about Zacchaeus, who's saying, I, I'm, I'm going to run to get out ahead of Jesus, this powerful guy, in a full-out sprint in front of Jesus. How many of you know that there's just sometimes in life you can't keep your cool cards? Like you just can't, like you can't, you can't fall in love and be cool. Like it just, it just doesn't work. I know ladies, like the first, you know, first date, like you, you get, you get yourself together and everything's all put together and you look great and it's awesome and all that. But there comes a point you get married, like you don't get to stay that put together all the time. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Fellas, you don't agree. Just let the, just let the ladies Guys, guys, I know, like, first day, you're trying, you, you know, you're trying to holler, like, what's up, girl? Like, you got the swag, and you look all, you look all gray, but how many of you know you can't be cool at 7.30 in the morning when the kids are running late? Like, you can't spit game when you're trying to get the kids to school, right? Like, it just, there comes a time in life that you just can't be cool all the time. You can't have it all together. I, my family, we, we like to go to uh, Disneyland, um, on some Mondays, and we like to park in a parking lot. It's called the Toy Story parking lot, and it's uh, where you get on and you get on a, uh, a public kind of transportation that's dedicated for the park, but you get on a bus, and it takes you over to the park. And uh, I, here's what I've noticed. I noticed that this week, so we went to Disney last Monday, and I've noticed this. Um, I don't care how cool you are as a parent. Uh, no parents look cool getting on public transportation. Like you just, you just can't, you can't do it. You got, you know, you got all, like for us, we got three kids. You got all the kids. We got to fold because you got to fold the stroller up to get on the bus. You got all that. You got the bags. You got the diaper bag and you got the backpack. You got all this. And like, you just can't look cool getting on the bus. Nobody ever does. And there comes a point in our life where like, you just, you can't be cool all the time. I think about Zacchaeus who, who, who is going, he's just like, he's desperate. He's like, I don't care how it looks. I don't care what people think about me. I'm desperate. He has everything in the world. He's got everything in the world that he should have. He's got all the money. He's got power. But he's missing peace. He's missing purpose. He has this hole inside of him that only God can fill. So he throws his cool cards behind him, and he starts running and climbing a tree to get to Jesus. I'm trying to preach to somebody today and let you know that you can't come to Jesus with your stuff all together. You can't come to Jesus with your perfect self. You can't come to Jesus with your cool self. No, you've got to be broken and desperate to get to Jesus. And you've got to say, I know I don't have it all together, but I need Jesus. Zacchaeus comes to Jesus. He climbs the tree looking down at Jesus and the crowd, the crowd's shouting, the crowd is blocking him. He, he can't see. And I hope you understand there will always be a crowd that you got to fight through. There will always be a crowd that you got to push through. As Jesus has this crowd around him, Jesus is living on mission. He's heading there, right, but he's here. He's, he's heading to Jerusalem, but he's here and he looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. 
You know, it's interesting that the name Zacchaeus, it means pure or righteous one. I think it's fascinating that his behavior is one thing, but his identity is something else. Jesus calls him by name. He's literally saying, hey, righteous one, come down. I'm coming to your house today. Can we just pause and acknowledge for a moment that in the midst of the hustle and the bustle, in the middle of all the we, we're going to and amidst the noise and the crowds, and there is a God that stops and knows your name. That there is a God who not only knows your name, but he speaks identity over you. He knows your name. What does Jesus do? He, he, invite, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. I love Jesus' style. He just invites himself over. Like, hey, let's, let's make some food together. I like my steaks medium rare, so just throw one on the grill. I'm coming over. I don't know if your household's like my household, but like my wife has to like clean everything before somebody comes over. And it is like spotless when somebody comes in. So this would, this would drive my wife crazy. It's like Jesus is just like, oh, I'm coming over. But this is who our God is. He's the God that knows everything about you. And he still says, I'm coming to your house today. You know, Jesus could have been like, I know you're evil. I know how you got the money to pay for this house. I know that you stole the money from my people. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm coming to your house. Anybody grateful for the grace of God? That in the middle of our mess, God still wants to show up and come to our place. I, I'm coming to your house. We serve a God that comes to our home. He comes to our home, the, the most protected place. The, the most intimate place of our life. And, and some of you, that's the place that you've been keeping from God. Some of us, that's the place that we've been protecting. Like, no, no, God, I don't want you to go there. You can come here and come in this room, but you can't come here. And God says, no, no, I know all of it. I, I see all of it. I'm not discounting all that. I'm not saying it's not, that's not true. I'm just saying I choose to come anyway. I, come, I choose to show up to your, to your house. And at some point in this dinner, Zacchaeus ends up standing up and saying, I want to give back four times the amount that I've took from everyone, which was above and beyond what he was required. Four times. And I don't want to just give 10% of my possessions. I don't want to just give a tithe. No, I want to give 50% of all that I own. I want to give it away. Isn't it something that when you truly encounter grace personified, that the reasonable response is radical generosity? Like when you truly encounter Jesus and all that he's done for you and you have an understanding of like, God, you, you want to come here? You want to, you, you're coming to my house? Like I, the only reasonable response is radical generosity. God, I'll give you everything. It's the only reasonable response. And this isn't just generosity. This is absurd generosity. Like he was giving a crazy amount. And I pray that we become a church and that we're known as a church that 
is absurdly generous, and not because we manipulate people, and not because we coerce and we campaign, no, but just because we're a church that knows how good God is, and we've experienced his love, and we've experienced his grace, and so our only reasonable response is, God, you can have it all. You can have everything. Every area, my entire life, I give it, I give it to you. And it's with this, Zacchaeus makes this announcement that his life has been forever changed. And then with that announcement, Jesus steps up and makes his announcement. He gives his mission on the earth. Luke 19.10, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This is my mission. You know, we live in a world where everybody's looking for a mission. Like everybody's looking for their purpose. Everybody's trying to discover their purpose. But can I tell you that if you're looking for a mission, why don't you just join Jesus's? Why don't you just join the mission of Jesus? It's crazy when I hear Christians say like, I don't, I don't really know if I have a purpose. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Have you met Jesus? Because he has a purpose. He has a mission. He has a vision for your life. And he's called all of us to it, to seek and to save the lost. And this is a mission that he invites us into. He invites us into it. And he doesn't have to, but he chooses to. You know, I told you I have, I have three kids. And how many of you know that when kids are small and they ask to help, like they're not much help. Like when my kids were little and they would try to, uh, try to like help us carry something around the house or move something in. It's like, you know, they, they, they try to help, but I don't even know, they just kind of get in the way. It's like they're, they're under the luggage and they're like holding up. Oh, it's heavy. It's like, I'm carrying all the weight. It's not heavy. Quit acting. Like, and why, why as parents do we even bother? Why do we waste the time? Like it's just, they're not doing anything. They're not helping. But it's because as parents, we love to partner with our kids. And Jesus, he could save anybody he wants to. He doesn't need us. But he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to invite us into his mission. He chooses to say, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing in the earth. And I want you to join my mission. Stop trying to figure out what you're supposed to do and just join my mission. Get on board. It's mission critical. You're made for this. You know, we're not trying to build a community here of people who just come and get. We're not trying to build a church of people that just come and get. No, we're trying to, we're looking for men and women who want to say, I want to partner with God. I want to join his mission. I want to lay my life down looking for the Zacchaeuses in the Inland Empire. I, I want to join his mission. So here's my whole message. You ready? I've got seven more points. I'm just kidding. I have three points that are going to go back to back to back and we're, just gonna, we're gonna get out of here. Here's my whole message. Number one, you gotta catch the vision. You gotta catch the vision. I love what PC said last week in the first message. He said, the church doesn't have a vision. The vision has a church. If you're new to this citizens community and you're wondering like, what's the vision of citizens? Like what's, what's the mission? It's the same that I hope every church has. It's, we're, we're joining Jesus's mission. It's the vision he gave us to seek and to save the lost. He said in Matthew 28, 
18 and 20, this great commission. We call this the great commission. I want you to notice that it is the co-mission. It is, it's meant for us to partner with God in this mission. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you don't have a mission, you're not a church. He's given us the vision. I'm sending you into a lost and broken world, a world that is we're just passing through a world that's just a vapor, but hopefully you'll get a revelation that says, God put me on this planet at this moment, at this time in history on 20, in 2023, I'm where I am at this point in time on mission, on purpose, for a purpose, and God, I want to join your mission. I was made for this. So you got to catch the vision. Number two, you got to get in the game. You got to get in the game. For some of us, the reason church has become, has become boring or you may not be getting as much out of it as you used to and you're going to come to, it just becomes this thing you check off the list. For some of us, the reason it's become, it's started to feel like that is because you've been following Jesus for too long doing nothing. I know that's harsh, but let's sit for a second. <laughs> there's people in the church, there's people in our church, people in the church, the big C church, churches all across our country all across the world who've been following Jesus for too long but doing nothing you got to get in the game you want to know when church becomes fun when you got some skin in the game how many of you know that like Sundays you can listen to this a message week in and week out and it just kind of becomes like eh, same, same, same old same old same old same, same thing but how many of you know church becomes different when you bring somebody with you and you start wanting like now I'm invested, like, what, what's the message on today? Like, it better be good, because I got somebody with me. Like, come on, worship team, y'all be, come on, worship team, come on, worship team. Like, like I got somebody, I got somebody with me. Anybody ever brought somebody to church and, like, it's just a weird Sunday, like, the preacher's talking about something weird. It's like, it's never like this, I promise. It's like you bring somebody for the first time and say, all right, guys, we're going to talk about demonology today. Whoa! I'm okay with that if it's just me, but I got somebody here. Church becomes different when you got some skin in the game. We're not building an event for people to come and see. No, we're building a gathering. We're gathering so that we can scatter. We're coming so that we can say, God, what, wh where do you want me, coach? Like, where, where, where do I need to play? What, what do I need to do? I'm, I'm here. I'm here to serve. I'm here to pour myself out. I'm, I'm here on mission. I'm here to seek and save the lost. You got to get in the game. It can't just, church cannot become just come and see. It has to be go and tell. This is the church. This is the search party. The last, last point, number three, play your part. You gotta play your part. You know, I think there's about 100 people. There's probably, there's probably around 100 people in our church between all of our services. You know, most people only come to church once every four Sundays. 
But uh, I think there's probably 100 people in our church who this is for you. This, this point right here is, is for you. I wanna say it like this. If you could get this thought, if you could get this mindset, I think your life will be totally different. How you view church will be totally different. Your family, everything will be different if you get this, this mindset and says that I can't save anyone, but I can serve everyone. I can't save anyone, but I can serve everyone. I, I, I can't control whether or not someone fills up their cup, but I can control whether or not I pour mine out. And this is the church, a gathering of people who are serving one another, who's serving our world, who's serving our city, who's serving our communities, who's serving our jobs, who's serving our schools, who's serving our neighborhoods. This is the church. This is what it means to be a search party. You have a part to play. You have a part to play right here in this church. You have a part to play at Citizens. You know, um, I'm gonna say, say this, don't get offended. I'm gonna say it with as much love as I can and just know that we love you. But if you ain't helping, you ain't helping. If you ain't helping, you ain't helping. Like, we have a part to play. And I, I know it's like in your face and like, oh, that's aggressive and you may not come back. Just come back next week. The real preachers won't be here next week. All right, so just come back, give him a chance. But I just wanna tell you, you have a part to play. You know, we had last week, we had um, 43 kids checked in to upstairs for our you know, uh, nursery through preschool, kindergarten. And I don't know if you have kids that age where you've been up there, that's a lot of kids for up, upstairs. In our kids' ministries, last weekend, we had the most kids checked into kids' ministries than we've had all year, and it's growing every single week. We're growing. Our church is growing. There's a need for you. There's a need, there's a part that you have to play in building the kingdom of God and reaching lost people and expanding and advancing the gospel. You have a part to play. And we could look at, hey, we're running out of space. We could look at, oh, we've got all these things, all these issues, all, all this stuff that we, we need people. We could look at it as problems, or we could look at it as an opportunity for men and women to rise up like never before and say, hey, put me in, coach. God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done doing this thing on my own. I'm, doing, I'm done doing my own thing. I'm ready to join the mission of Jesus, the co-mission. I'm ready to put some skin in the game. I'm ready to play my part and advance the kingdom of God and make a difference in my world. So can we be a church today that says there's a whole bunch of people up in a tree trying to get a glimpse of Jesus and instead of blocking them, instead of only coming to church and just being, come and say, let me see what I can get, all I can get from Jesus, let me crowd around Jesus, instead of that being our goal, 
Could we be a church that points people to Jesus, that points, that says, I'm gonna make room for you. I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour myself out and I'm gonna show you Jesus. May we remember that we were once Zacchaeus. That we were once the one up in the tree looking. Is that him? Gosh, I hope it is because I, I really need him. So today you may find yourself actually feeling a little more like Zacchaeus. Now I'm closing, I'm done. This is the last thing I want to say. Maybe today you see yourself as Zacchaeus and you're far from God. You're curious, could it be? Could this Jesus guy really be the Messiah? Could he be what I've been looking for, what I've been longing for, what I've been secretly, nobody else knows, when I lay my head down on the pillow at night, this void that's in my life, could it, could it be Jesus that I need? Yeah, I love how Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. It reminds me of Revelation chapter three. Revelation 3.20 says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in, I'll eat with him and he with me. I think there's maybe some people in the room today who, I think there's a lot of you that need to jump on board with this mission of Jesus. Hey, let's do it together. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.